0: taking notes, I want you to write this down. It is this. We are not a body with a soul. We are instead a soul with a body. We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. And some people might say, well, what exactly do you mean that way? Well, this is it. Whenever you die, your body dies, but your soul is going to live somewhere forever. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, When God created Adam, it says this. It says, and then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So he made this outer covering for the soul. And then he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. Or if you look at the message version, or if you're into that, it actually says became a living soul. With that, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that you have created us to be who we are. And God, that you are constantly changing us to be more like you. God, I pray for every person in this room as we get into this series that, Lord, it's not my message, that it's not coming from a book, but, Lord, it's coming straight from you as it speaks to our innermost being, our souls, and how our souls are. And as we look at this, God, I pray you speak to us and you guide us over the next four weeks. Pray it in your name. Amen. We are not a body with a soul, but we are a soul with a body. I think some people might still be having a, a little bit of a hard time, and as we, as we talk this morning about this soul detox You might be trying to figure out, well, why are we going this way? The best way I can explain it is this. How many of you here, just by a show of hands, grew up in a house where your parents smoked? Okay, I did too. I grew up in a house where my parents smoked, and my aunts and uncles smoked, my grandparents smoked. When I was a kid, I think everybody smoked. There wasn't the Surgeon General's warnings. There wasn't all that stuff on all the packaging. And that's just the way that it was. And what I realized is that eventually my parents Quit smoking. And my aunts and uncles and my grandparents didn't. What I realized is as my house became smoke free and you went into a house that wasn't smoke free anymore, there was a difference all of a sudden. You could smell it, you could feel it. And even though you'd become a little bit accustomed to it while you were there because you'd grown up in it or whatever, when you would go back home, it would be stuck on you. And you could Smell that you have been there. And I began to realize that as a kid, no matter where I went, that's kind of what I smelled like. Because I always had smoke in my clothing from my parents doing it. But not only did it stick to my outside, I was breathing it in. And we all know it now as secondhand smoke. That wasn't a big deal when I was a kid. That wasn't anything major. I mean, kids are smoking. Adults are smoking. Everybody was smoking. It didn't, it didn't become a real big deal. But now secondhand smoke and certain general warnings and all those things. And you see all that. But as we breathed all that junk in... And and we took it all in. We didn't think anything about the toxins that were going into us, these poisons, these secondhand smokes that were going into us. Well, I think the same thing happens in culture. We get so used to just kind of hanging out in the room that is secondhand culture, we become desensitized to it. We forget. We become accustomed to the smell. We become accustomed, and it sticks to us. And not only does it stick to us, we also breathe it in. And one of the ways we get rid of it is by detoxing. And that's how you get rid of it out of your system when it comes to smoke and secondhand smoke. And, you know, I remember when I, my parents quit smoking and we would be doing athletics, I had a whole lot easier time breathing. It's amazing how that works. But it was because things were being cleaned out of your system and being detoxed. And the same thing we're going to do here with the soul because we're in a culture that's constantly pouring junk into us. And we are being desensitized by it all. I know we have some police officers in here, some people that work in the medical field. Any of you that I ever talk to, the longer that you're on the force, the less things surprise you. Am I, am I right? We become desensitized to it. Because the first time you see something, you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe that's the way it is. But then 10 years down the road, I mean, one of my paramedic friends, he said he had to go, and some guy had a fish hook stuck through his eye, and he's just like, yeah, no big deal. You know, that's what I do. But the first time he'd seen it, I know he'd seen it more than once, which was weird. First time he'd seen it, he was kind of grossed out by it. But the fact that you become desensitized to it, that's what culture does to us. And I think what we need to do as a church is we need to detox our soul. We need to detox who we are. We need to get less junk going into our system. Now what we're going to do is over the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about some topics here and you'll see what they are. The first week we're going to be here is we're called the Restless Soul. I'm going to explain a little bit of that to you here in just a little bit. But next week, we're going to be talking about the heavy soul. And the heavy soul is those things that hold you down, that we need to let go of, the the past hurts that we've had that that weigh us down in what we're doing. Then the third week, we're going to talk about the tortured soul, the sins that we've had in our lives, and the sins that we have in our lives that are constantly holding us back, and Satan uses them to play tricks in our mind to say, you can't be anything for God because you've done this or you are doing this. And it changes us in that thinking. And the final one we're going to talk about is the seduced soul. The seduced soul is all those things, all those idols that are out there trying to grab for your attention and fight for God with... Or fight for God's attention from you. And we're seduced by those things. We're constantly reaching out to those things. And so as we go through this, I hope that you're here for the next three weeks, four weeks to go through this with us. But today, today we're going to be talking about the restless soul. And as we're talking about the restless soul... This is probably the one that speaks loudest to me. This is probably the one that I think is going to affect you the most. Because to get rest for our souls is a difficult thing to do. As a matter of fact, I think we were cursed from the very beginning to have restless souls. If you look back in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, there's two brothers by the name of Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel, they... Well, you know, they didn't really like each other much. And like brothers do, they fought about things. Well, some things happened and Cain got jealous of Abel because Abel's sacrifice was being accepted by God. And Cain killed his brother Abel. And because of it, God curses him. Listen to this curse here. It says, now you were cursed, verse 11, and banished from the ground which swallowed your brother's blood... No longer will the ground yield crops for you. No matter how hard you work, from now on you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. But if you read the NIV version, it actually says the restless wanderer. And I think that curse came down to me because I cannot sit still for anything. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly moving. My foot's always twitching. When I am sitting still, my mind is going 100 miles an hour. Anybody else in here like me? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. That's a problem because God doesn't want us to live that way. That is a real problem to be that restless all the time. I kind of wrote some things down and I thought, this fits my profile and maybe it fits yours as well. We're always searching but never finding. We're always interested in everything but satisfied by nothing. Inwardly, we're always spun up. Our RPMs keep going. We try and find rest for our bodies, but we never really find rest. For our souls, we're anxious, we're tense, we're worried, we're concerned. Our minds just don't know how to shut down. Even at night, we're busy. Whether we're busy moving or we're busy thinking, and I'm not sure if you remember back into uh, it was May. We did our ninja character assassins, and one of the assassins was busyness. And I asked you guys, you just need to slow down. Now I know May is kind of a distant memory but how many of us actually did something and if you did do something how many of us are actually continue to do that to find that rest or we just get back into our regular routine because summer came we got our rest we did our vacations they aren't really vacations they're actually more stressful than actual work so we go back to work and we find our rest there and then it continues to move on and we're back into a regular schedule come september and that's the way it is and i said you know maybe we need to talk about this a little bit because we had said when we talked to somebody and you just do your, your typical, hey, how you doing? Their answers are generally, I'm busy, but good. I'm busy, but good. I, I would say most people say that to me. I'm busy, but I'm good. Well, I think Solomon asks a question in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, and he says this. He says, Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verse 22, so what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? The answer, verse 23. Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at the night's end, they cannot rest. It's all meaningless. I want to pause for just a second here, and I want to ask you a question. And I want you to be really, really honest with yourself. You don't have to answer to me. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to confess to me. But I want you to be really, really honest with yourself in this one. When you go to rest at night, when you go to sleep at night, Are you so wound up that you cannot focus on going to sleep? When you are with family and they are talking to you, whether it be your kids or your spouse or friends or whatever it might be, when you're with them and they're talking to you, you're kind of glazed over because you're constantly thinking about what you have to do tomorrow, what you have to do for the rest of today, how am I going to fit everything that I didn't finish today into tomorrow? I'm guilty of that. If you ever talk to me and I've got that glazed over look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I probably didn't hear what you said, or I heard what you said, but I didn't quite process it because I was processing something else. We get so overwhelmed, we get so overworked, and we don't let our souls rest. Now we all know when our bodies need rest. We all know that. The reason why we know that is because our body tells us so. Uh, most of you know I got to go back to see my uh, my dad and stepmom, and we took the family uh, a couple weeks ago and got to spend a whole week there. Well. My, uh, my dad and stepmom, they're different than me. And they like cuckoo clocks. Okay, I am not a fan, and I'm even less of a fan now of cuckoo clocks. But they like cuckoo clocks, and I'm not joking. They had at least 50 clocks in their house. I'm not joking. And 12 of those cuckoo clocks, we counted them. We're outside the bedroom door that we were sleeping in. Okay, twelve of those cuckoo clocks and they were making noise every hour and every half hour. And not only were they making noise every hour, hour and every half hour, they weren't set to the same exact minute. So they alternated, all twelve of them. There was one that played the sound of music with an axe chopper. There was one that had some other weird tune that I could not figure out what it was. There were cuckoos going this way. There were cuckoos that counted all, and at midnight, it was great. So all 12 of them going all, all 12 times. And it would. I am not a light sleeper, but if you can never get to a deep sleep, you stay a light sleeper. I have never slept better in my life than the day that we got off the airplane and I crawled into my own bed. As a matter of fact, I reached over and I turned my, alo- my alarm on just to have some noise so I could fall asleep peacefully. I was out. I needed rest, and not only the fact that we are doing everything that we did, all the walking around Washington, D.C., all the walking around Baltimore, all that stuff, but not getting to sleep at night was crazy, and I bet that your body tells you when you need rest, too, and that you're ready to just crash out and be done. Our souls do the same thing, though. Our souls will tell us, but where do we find rest for our souls? Where do we find rest for our souls? My answer today is going to be a little cheesy for you, okay? It's kind of a churchy answer. It reminds me of a story, actually, of a little kid that's over in Sunday school class, and, and the teacher's trying to get, uh, get them to, to guess certain animals. And he says, All right, the animal we're going to guess now is a little gray. And he's got little ears, he's got a big fluffy tail, and he collects nuts for the winter. What's his, what kind of animal is it? all the kids just stare at him. He's like, No, no, come on, guys. It's got little teeth, and, you know, and it's got the big fluffy tail, and the kids are all kind of looking at him, and one of the kids goes, You know what? It sounds kind of like you're talking about a squirrel, but because we're in church, I'm going to go with Jesus. All right. That is the answer I want to give you today. Where can we find rest for our souls? And our souls find rest in God and in God alone, in Jesus alone. That's it. That's where our souls find rest. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 62, 1, David says it this way. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. In other words, there's no person, there's no thing, there's no money, there's no vacation home, there's no anything besides God that we can find rest for our souls. And we'll search and we'll reach and we'll do all sorts of things, but only one place. I love the way St. Augustine said it. He says to God this. He said "And so the front cover of your bulletin. It says, you have made us for yourself O Lord and our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. God you've made us for yourself and our souls who we are are restless until we realize that we are to find rest in God and in God alone. You don't like St. Augustine? You don't like what he says? Well let's see what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 and 29. He says, Then, Jesus said, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Those of you who are stressed out. Those of you who find difficult to show love to people who love you. Because you are so stressed and anxious that you bite their heads off. Because that's the first person you're going to bite their heads off. For whatever reason, that's the way it is. It's always our loved ones who take the brunt of us being it. We can be really nice to everybody at church. But on the way home, we're like, ah, you know. There's a lot of words that came, but it couldn't be recorded. Um, the, the thing is, is we get all tensed up and we get all fired up. He says, Jesus says to them, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, come to me and I'll do what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your what? Your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy burdened, heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. The answer to the question of where do we find rest is that in God alone, in God alone. So that leads us to the next question: Well, how do I rest in God? How do I rest in God? Well, the first one is this, and it's a difficult one: "Be still. Be still before God." Psalm 46:10, the psalmist says, "Be still and know that I am God." And if you look at that verse, what's at the end of that verse? What's at the end of that verse? An exclamation point. So we read it and we say, be still and know that I am God. Right? No. When you ha- Anybody in here have a kid that moves way too much? Anybody in here married to somebody who weighs, move, moves way too much? Uh-huh. I knew that hand would go up right there. It's be still. Sit down. Shut up. And don't say another word. Right? That's why there's an exclamation point at that. That's why God put that there. Be still and know that I am God. Not be still and know that I'm God. We don't say that to our kids. God's talking to his kids here. I was at the fair a couple of weeks ago, you know, doing the fair booth thing, and and moms, I feel for you. Okay, it was diaper changing time, and it was like this mad rush. And there was a couple of moms that obviously didn't know each other, but they had this weird competition thing all of a sudden just pop up. And one baby was 11 months old, and the other baby was 11 months old, and the one that was 11 months old and this one got out and kind of toddled their way into the diaper change thing. And the other one, she had to pick it up, and she was like, oh, man, I wish my kid could walk. And the kid actually said diaper, and it was like, oh, wow, look at that. That 11-year-old can do, or 11-month-old can do that, and it's just so cool. And this 11-month-old can't do anything. And this mom's like, I just wish mine. I'm like, no, 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 you don't. Because by the time they're two, all you're going to say is, I wish they would just sit down, stop moving around, and be quiet. We all want, for the first two years of their life, to move and talk and do all that kind of stuff. And they're like, no, sit down and shut up, please. That's, That's our thinking. We get into this, and I think God finally says, be still and know who I am. There's a threat, almost, like a parent would do. Just sit down and listen to me. Get rest for your souls. David says this in Psalm 132 too, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for his mother's milk. Yes, like a wean child is my soul within me. When he finds God, when he is still and he rests in God, he realized that his soul isn't crying out for that rest anymore. And I'll tell you what, you know, I'm not the world's best counselor, but if I were to sit down with you and you're saying, hey, I got these issues, the first thing I'm going to tell you is this. Be still with God. Be still and listen to what God is saying. Be still and understand who He is. Just you and God and quiet. No phones, no computers, no emails, no people. Sit quietly and be still and understand who God is. I know that isn't possible. If we did that right now and I went for 30 seconds, you'd all be like, this is getting weird. But I'm just asking you, five minutes. Give God five minutes. I don't have five minutes, Matt. Yeah, you do. We all have five minutes. It all depends upon how we spend it. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. It all depends upon how you spend it. Bill Hybels actually wrote a book, and Bill Hybels is a guy uh, that was a pastor or is a pastor up in the Chicago area at a small church of like thirty thousand people called Willow Creek. And he wrote a book that spoke very strongly to me. It was about prayer, about taking time and talking with God. And the title of the book was "You're Too Busy Not to Pray." We do we need to take time. We're too busy not to focus on God. We're too busy not to sit quietly with Him. And you know, as we think about, well, how do I do it? We be still. What's the second thing that Scripture tells us? It's right here. It says, wait for Him. Wait for the Lord your God. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still in the presence of Lord, and then what? Wait patiently for Him to act. Okay, there's two words that I don't like side by side. Wait patiently. Wait patiently. Wait patiently what no 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 no! I want it now we live in an instant society do we not we live in instant downloading of movies we live in the whole fast food microwave meals we live in that whole thing of God give me patience and give it to me now that's our prayer that is what we ask for we're constantly on the move we don't want to wait for anything but God says hey Be still and wait for me. There's three questions. Three questions while you're sitting and waiting for God that I want you to ask yourself. And I left lines on your note page that you could write these down if you wanted to. But I'm hoping that this isn't just a message that you hear and and it becomes a, Oh, that was good. I like that. That was good. Thank you. And then you don't put it into practice. Because I really want to challenge you to put it into practice. I tried last night. I tried all this week as I was going through this. But last night, my whole family was all asleep. And I'm sitting in bed. And I tried. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to be still. Uh, I am literally sitting there. No no TV on. There was football on TV. But there should have been. But I didn't turn it on. I, I just sat there. And I waited. And I read some verses. And I waited. And I tried to let my mind... Mu- tried not to let my mind wander this way and then wander that way and then think about what we have to do for today and what time I need to get up to get the donuts, and what time I had to get the coffee at and I don't know if the coffee machine's going to work today so maybe I have to buy coffee for Krispy Kreme and all these little things start popping up in my mind, no, 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 be still, shut up, don't, wait on God, that's it and I started getting back to it and this was all over the span of 30 seconds just to let you know, okay, I tried and I'm practicing and I'm going to work on this because this is something I really need to do and I think this is something we all need to do. We, need, we have these restless souls and it just becomes this constant fight of is it God or is it me or is it who? And, and we get into this. So I want you to ask these three questions. When you're sitting with God and you're waiting for Him, what do you want to say to me, God? What do you want to say to me? What do you want to show me? What do you want to show me? And what do you want to do in me? When you open up your Bible, maybe you read a verse a day. Maybe you just get into, you have a daily devotion. Maybe you don't do anything. Maybe this is where you need to start at. You need to get into this. You have a daily devotion. This gives you a verse. Or maybe you just open up your Bible and you kind of play the the, the roulette style. is, wherever it falls, you're going to read a passage out of that. How is God speaking to you? Are you just reading it to say, yeah, I read my Bible today? How is he going to do? What's he trying to say? What's he trying to show? And what's he trying to do in you? People ask me all the time, how do I hear from God? I don't know what He's saying. And I think part of the reason why we don't know what God is saying is because we don't really listen. Have you ever met a person like that? That you ask a question to? Or they ask you a question, even? And then you try and give them the answer, and you know they're not listening? They're the person that's got another story to top your story, and they're just thinking about the story that they have to top your story. And they're not listening to what you actually have to say. I think we do that to God. We're like, hey, God, I really need you to answer this prayer for me, but I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. I'm going to tell you how I want you to answer it. I want to tell you that. And we lay all this out, and I think God says, no, 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 wait patiently for me to answer. Wait patiently for him to act. I'm going to challenge you to do something. You know, I said, take five minutes. Tomorrow morning, there's not going to be balloons going up. Praise God. Praise God. Okay? But when they don't go up, it doesn't mean you can't still get up early. You can still get up five minutes early and say, hey, God, you know what? I got up five minutes early for you. I'm going to sit. I'm not going to focus on all the things I have to rest to do for today. I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to read a verse, and I want you to speak to me. I want you to show me. I want you to do something in me through this. And I'll I'll be surprised if he doesn't answer. I'll be surprised if he doesn't show you something, and you would be too. Because that's what God wants. He wants us to wait. He wants us to be patient. Because guess what? This is something that I am learning. God will take care of the rest of the world while I'm taking five minutes to find him, to seek him. God will take care of the rest of the world, including your kids, including your spouse, including what's going to be for breakfast. He will take care of all those details. They'll come. It's all going to happen eventually. Sit and wait and be patient with him. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6 say this. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his what? His word. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries. You guys know what centuries are? They're night watchmen. I longed for the Lord more than night watchmen long for the dawn. Yes, more than night watchmen long for the dawn. Well, why does a night watchman wait for the dawn? Because their job's over. They get excited about it. I worked security in college. I worked security at the airport, and I had side duties where I had to work the night shifts at, um, as weird as this is, at Sizzler. Um... Because Sizzler had gone out of business, and they were afraid their employees were going to come and destroy the place, so um, they put security guards inside. And I'll tell you, there's nothing boringer than sitting in an empty restaurant um, from midnight till noon. Okay, a 12-hour shift of sitting there. That was it. And I'll never forget when the sun would come up. Man, I my heart would just leap because I knew I only had five hours left. I was excited. And you've probably been that way, and you know what? That's the same thing that God he's talking about here. The way that a night watchman watches for the dawn, because when the sun comes up, their shift is over and they get to be done and they get they're excited about what's to come. And you know what they also know? Is that every morning since the beginning of time, the sun has come up. So they know it's gonna happen. They know it's coming. They're just waiting for it to actually get there. And that's the same way we are with God. We are counting on him. And you know what? we know it's going to happen because it's happened since the beginning of time. Be, wait, be still and wait. The third thing is, is take just a moment and reflect on God's goodness. Reflect on God's goodness. Here's the thing. So often while we're being still and while we're being patient and waiting, our minds will wander. And it's going to wander about what needs to get done and what this day is going to hold. But let me tell you, Focus instead on what God has already done. Focus on His goodness, on His grace. Psalm 116, starting in verse 7, says this, Let my soul be at rest again. Why? For the Lord has been good to me. Reflect on what He's done. Reflect on His goodness. Reflect on His grace. Reflect on His answered prayers. Reflect on the prayers He hasn't answered yet. Verse 8, He says, He has saved me from death. That's something we can definitely... Definitely reflect on. My eyes from tears, we can reflect on that as well, and my feet from stumbling. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on the earth. That is something, that is something we can definitely focus on. In this season of busyness, I know that, that everything is getting ready for tomorrow. And you know what tomorrow is? It's just another day. And I can think about, man, God, you have done so much for me in the past. Can't we focus on the fact that he's already in tomorrow? That he is not bound by time? That he is not bound by those things? So what he has done in the past, he has got his hands in the future as well. He's got his hands on tomorrow and he's got his hands on today. He's got his hands on us and he is guiding us. And sometimes we put God in this little box and we say, well, God, you probably can't handle this. I need to take care of it. It needs to be about me. But it's not. It's not. We need to focus on who God is and what he has done. There's that verse in Jeremiah that says, For I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and to bless you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. We worry about tomorrow. We need to realize that God is already there. He is giving us this peace in our soul and when we have that peace in our soul I think it really fertilizes I guess is the best way I can think of it it fertilizes the fruit of the Spirit because the things that people should be able to see in our lives is the fruit of the Spirit when we become a Christian and our lives begin to change there's some things that they should see that that produce in our lives and I think those things are hindered by busyness. but when we have peace in our souls The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the self-control, the faithfulness. You think of all those things, and they get amplified when we have peace in our soul, when we are at rest with God. We need to remember we are not a body with a soul, but we are a soul with a body. And what I want to do this morning and in the next few moments, I'm going to ask Jerome to come forward. And we did this last week, and I don't think we do it enough, but we take time to reflect and actually be quiet, and I don't want you during this time to be thinking about where we're going to lunch, although it is on my mind. I'm not going to let it go that way. I don't want you to think about the games today. I don't want you to be thinking about the Packers possibly getting to 500 or falling two and four, playing against the Houston Texans. I don't want you to think about that. I don't want to be thinking about that either, but it's there, it's on my mind. There are things that we get in there, but today what I want you to do is I want you to actually reflect. I want you to take time and I want you to think about what God has done. And we're just going to play through some of the music, no, no words to it at this point, and then Jerome will have you kind of join in. But I want you to remember that we are not just a body with a soul, but we are a soul with a body. And that is what God wants from us. He wants us close to Him. He wants us to be at rest within Him and He wants us to celebrate the things that He has done. You know, there's some things that I've forgotten to tell you over the last couple of weeks. Um, we like to celebrate the small things. And we like to celebrate the big things. But a couple of weeks ago, right before I left on vacation, uh, Adam, back there in the back, he's got an orange sweatshirt on. I'm going to point him out. Sorry, Adam. But Adam came to me and said, hey, you know, I didn't realize that it wasn't just about being a good person. It's about actually giving your life to Christ. And he prayed to receive Christ that morning and wants to be baptized. So let's give it up for Adam. Another uh, young lady uh, prayed with Mike Napier to, uh, to receive Christ, and she wants to be baptized as well. And then Ben, who's right over here, Ben came to me last week after service and said, hey, I want people to know that I am a follower of Christ, and I want to be baptized as well. So in November, we're going to be scheduling a baptism thing, so let's give it up for Ben as well. You know, I think sometimes we miss and we forget. We get so busy that we forget to reflect on what God has done and what God is doing and what God is going to do. So my challenge to you today, my challenge to you today is to reflect on God's goodness. Be still and wait on Him this morning.